You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Jasmine Jones. Hello. So I'm ja- really happy to be here. <laughs> I appreciate that, Jasmine. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what do you do professionally? Um, well, right now I am a full-time college student, so I'm going to school for international business, but my plans are to go to film school after this, so that's kind of my main passion right now. How do you go from international business to film school? Well, I want to do grad school. So I'm trying to get like an, you have to get an undergraduate before you go to grad school, obviously. So I thought business would be a good thing because I mean, business is, it's always necessary. It's not always necessary to go to film school, but it's a good, like, it's good compliment with film school. Like an extra credit kind of. Yeah. So what about film school are you so passionate about? Are you just Do you like the whole concept of making and crafting out a story? Or do you like the concept of all the camera angles and all the workings that go inside of a, mo- a moving picture? I love it all. I love just the process of making it. And I'm very passionate about like telling specific stories. I've always loved writing and just seeing a project come together. There's nothing more rewarding than just finishing a film and watching people see it for the first time. I just love it. Now, have you ever designed your own film? Yes, I have created two short films and I'm working on a third one right now. Haley is actually helping me. The one, the girl who was on your podcast, she's on my crew. Hey, we refer to her as Haley Meissenheimer. (laughs) Yes, she does have that long last name. (laughs) German too. It sounds like a cheeseburger. It does. Yeah, just think about that. Let that sink in. Sounds like a cheeseburger. <laughs> I will tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, well, when you, who is she playing? Like, okay, so do you do your documentaries? Do you do short horror films? Do you do action? Um, I tend to stick to, like, short drama films. I would love to make a feature film someday, but I just don't have the budget for that at the moment. What what types of like, all right, you got to give me some more. You got to tell me, you gotta, you, I'm already in, I'm hooked. Okay. Now, you're gonna, <laughs> if you're going to pitch me your idea from like your, your short films, what are they based on? Are they like a Twilight drama? <laughs> no, definitely not the Twilight franchise. They're more, I like slice of life kind of realism. Um, one of the short films I created was about a little kid and he's watching his parents get divorced, but it's more through the child's perspective. And the film I'm making right now is kind of about missing people. So I really like topics like that. You're cutting deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, when I, when I thought short film, I was like, here's a good idea for a short film. Like have a kid with a peanut butter sandwich and then he drops it on the floor and then end movie. <laughs> like, I mean, a good one minute film, but you were like a kids with the parents, per, like parents getting divorced coming from the child's perspective that's going to hit home on so many bases because i feel like a lot of people nowadays are are at least that are growing up now especially in their 20s and 30s they get to experience what that was like to have parents that were divorced because i think in our probably our generation um there was a, Mm a more likely possibility of your parents being divorced where now it seems like it's probably the norm um just because family values hard times stress all seems to kind of equal a factor there. Um, it's yeah. obviously, you know, it's what what happens happens. It's sometimes it's better off that way too. Yeah, I totally agree, and that's what I kind of wanted to show in that film. And it was called Two Houses because by the end, you know, the parents are living in two different houses. So I wanted to show like the transition from the parents being together and like kind of the child's journey of seeing like the whole process, like from when they first get divorced and like he sees them fighting and he knows something's up. And then at the end, they're living in two different houses. So it kind of shows like the whole process, but through the child's eyes, because I feel like that's something we don't get very often in film. Two houses and two Christmases. Best thing about it. (laughs) Yes, that was actually a line in my film. Oh my goodness. 
look, look, imagine how awkward it would be if your film was called One House and they were divorced and they were living together. Now that would be really awkward. Be like, hey, why is dad bringing home all these people? Like, like <laughs> dad's having random one night hookups. Mom's having random one night hookups. Where do we go from here? You know how scarred you would be as a kid? That would just be a whole mess. I think it's better that they live in two different houses for sure. Like I'm going to dad's room this weekend. So sorry, <laughs> going to pack up my uh, book bag next, you know, he just walks right across the hallway. Yeah. W- walks down the stairs, walks across the hall and Oh, I'm at dad's now. So it's, it's actually a really good concept for a movie. At least I mm-hmm. think, um, but mostly on the basis of, I think a lot of books that I've read that I found very, very fascinating. Um, one that I've usually quoted through the podcast that kind of gave my mind another perspective on um, mental retardation or, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. I guess, what would be the technical term? Um, I'm not disabled? sure. I, that's a psychology question for Haley. <laughs> Mentally disabled, I guess. But I mean, yeah, I think that's the correct term. It's it's really they're like you know not to you know normalize whatever, but it's it's a problem obviously. But I feel like a lot of it can be un- misunderstood. I think it needs to be explained mm-hmm. from um, kind of their perspective, which is something that is impossible to do. But I read this book called Inside Out, and I read the prequel to it, um, which was from the brother's perspective, where he was looking yeah. at his brother that was drooling. And it was it was kind of hard for him to kind of be like, love his brother, because his brother was so challenged that it was literally draining the rest of the family. He thought that he couldn't mm-hmm. go out and get his own goals, couldn't go out and get his own you know life. But then when I read it and kind of to the ending, he realizes he loves his brother and, you know, it's just what happens in life and he's just a person. And um, when I read it from the brother's perspective, the book Inside Out really changed my mind because the kid was like Stephen Hawking's. He was really smart. And like he was, he's like, I wish I could just like move my hands and hug my mom, but I can't because, you know, now they're flailing around and slapping people. And it's, you know, and he's talking about how he like hates that he can't control himself. And it's like, it really changed my perspective on so many things. If they turn that into a motion picture, damn straight, I'm buying a ticket for that one. Yeah, that, that honestly sounds like something that needs to be made. I love just true stories about topics that don't get covered very often you know they're not like flashy they're not like action-packed but they're like true and they're human and I love that about film sometimes I think the most impactful dramas are the ones that are kind of shorter than um like a long-length film like you watch Twilight I mean for two and a half hours in you're just like fuck like (laughs) <laughs> this movie needs to end like right now and then they leave you I know. On, they leave i'm not gonna lie i've seen all the twilight films okay oh me too me too <laughs> I, i'm team jacob so you're saying oh whoa team jacob bro 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 let me tell you <laughs> something look i'm not gay but there are handsome people out there and you know Okay. I mean, Taylor Lautner, he, he is very fine. I will admit that. But I, for I, Bella, yeah. I think Edward, you had to go Edward. Ah, man. No, no. Cut Bella out of the <laughs> equation. Let's do what all the weird people were doing and say Team Edward and Team Jacob. And then, you know, that whole love romance mix. That oh. was weird. That's where Twilight lost me. I was like, look, I just like people's heads getting ripped off. This is the only concept I'm in here for. Plus, when yeah. I was a kid, werewolves were always the winner. It, that, that's always what it was. A vampires were like, I'm good. But you see like these things, like the CGI wolf in that was amazing. No, I loved all like the werewolf stuff and the vampire stuff. I thought that was really interesting. That was like the best part. And also it was in Oregon. So it looked really pretty and foggy the whole time. Yeah, it seemed like it was never sunny ever. It's like, uh, what do you, what's that one movie that came out? I'm going to relate this to a movie you, you might've seen. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like Swallow Falls. It was always like, you know, m- misty and crappy, but all they ate was tuna and then he made this machine. I like the underdog story. I think that's probably why I picked Team Jacob or something because yeah, I, I like the concept of like, he was not really like popular. Yeah, go with the one who she's least likely to be with, but you're still rooting for it anyway. Yeah, the one. Yeah, basically me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the last choice of everything. Dodgeball. Oh, dodgeball was the worst. That, that was the worst thing in elementary school. 
it was weird too because it was like we literally have a period in our lives where the teachers are just going to let us throw rubber balls at each other and literally actually and you're not doing it softly no it's hard it's like really rough (laughs) and it shows athletic superiority too like all the jocks would be pegging kids in the head you'd see the nerds get knocked out first and then i know it was like war And the worst part was I was really good at dodging. So I would be like the last one out there, but I could not throw or catch. So I was just out there like getting pummeled by the other team. I've only had a few couple good saves playing dodgeball. I think one, I was last and I was like, I was just dodging everything. And then Mm -hmm. I I caught one and then I caught another one. And then I caught another one with the, both of the balls. I caught them and I caught it in the middle. Like it was about to hit me in the chest and I got three people out and I was like, that's never going to happen again. I just set them on the floor, walked out of the gym. I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm leaving right there. Cause I know when the next (laughs) game starts, I'm getting hit right in the face. Yes, just leave it leave it on a good note with dodgeball. Where every kid's just like, hey, like I'll be 30 years old and I'll run into someone and be like, dude, remember that dodgeball game? What like, I know. And then he just like opens up the door for me. I'm like, thank you. I know. There you go. Respect. <laughs> I'm a legend. Dodgeball champion. Exactly. I mean, that was a good movie too. See, I like films like that. I like comedy. I like um, yes. joking, but they also do play a little bit of a drama. Like dodgeball is a bit of a drama movie. Um, but mm-hmm. mostly bases around comedy. You know, you got to dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Yes. Throwing the wrench at them. <laughs> that was one of the funniest scenes, I thought. I mean, the dude's sleeping, and then he just chucks a wrench, a monkey wrench straight at his head. I was like, that's what I love. Like, the scary movies, like, not mm-hmm. not like the uh, like an actual scary movie, but the actual, actual, like, comedy scary movie, that whole franchise. Yeah, I've only seen one of those, but I did enjoy it. I just, I love the parodies to them. Like, I watch Signs, okay? That's one of my all-time favorite horror movies. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't consider that to be a scary movie. And I think that's just because the concept for horror movies nowadays is jump scares. I know. And I feel like horror movies, they all have really good concepts. And I'm like intrigued by the concept. But then when you watch it, it's very predictable. And it's all jump scares. And there's like no character development whatsoever. Yeah, the, the, they used to tell a story. Like when you watched Halloween, the very first one, it was telling you a story. You watched Nightmare on Elm Street, it was telling you yeah, a story. Nowadays, exactly. it seems like Everything is like murder, murder, murder every five minutes or something's jumping out at you. I'm like, what is happening? Like, this isn't scary anymore. But I know it's I think it's because of our attention spans. I think it is, too. And a lot of the horror movies that are coming out now are around technology because technology is such a big part of our lives. Like there's that horror movie I keep seeing trailers for called Countdown, where like it's an app that tells you when you're going to die. That's that does seem like a pretty good kind of storyline to it, though. I'm just wondering how they're going to do it without making it really, really stupid. Yeah, I saw the trailer and like it doesn't look great quality. It looks like it's, again, a good concept, but executed very poorly. There's a movie like that that I actually find a fascination with. I think this is why um, Saw is really, really good as a series. Yes. I've seen all of the Saw movies. We had a marathon of that last year at my all right. dorm. <laughs> no, we're not. We're me and you are not psychopaths, okay? But <laughs> Saw is a good concept because I'm pretty sure everybody has that thought of which, like, a would you rather? Yeah, it's so interesting. And the first movie was definitely the best because it was the least cheesy. I feel like overall. Yeah, well, once you go on to like Saw 9 and Saw 11, it's like the same concept. They just keep adding a little bit more mystery to it, which was cool, but it was just newer ways yeah. to die. And I know. I was, in the last Saw, it had like probably a low budget because that blood looked really pink. It did not look like real blood. Somebody spilled ketchup on the floor. <laughs> I See, I think like there's some really good documentaries on Netflix or not documentaries, but horror movies on Netflix, like The Ritual. I have not seen that, but yeah, there are a lot of good stuff on Netflix right now, horror-wise. Well, for horror, for me, I see like I like a little bit more of the game aspect to it. Like they had one called mm-hmm. Would You. They they had one called Would You Rather. I don't know if you've ever heard. Yes, of that I've seen that. I really like that one. Yeah, but but like it ramped up, and then like with the movie Countdown, that that's um you know you keep mm-hmm. seeing trailers for. There's another yeah. movie that did it that did it before that one, and it was like Would You Rather, but they were at this house, 
and um, they they couldn't leave after a certain time. And each one of them had to do a challenge, had to like a, do a, oh, truth, a truth or dare. Truth or dare. I saw that one as well. I like how it's like the psychological aspect, like what would you do in this situation? And well, yeah, it's really interesting. Would you rather, you know, dip your hand into boiling hot water or chop off a finger? I don't yeah. know, honestly, with you, it, the, there, there's going to be a worse scenario here. But what happens if I chop off my finger and that one time I do it, it's like I hit an artery and then I'm gone. Exactly. And the ones where it's like you either hurt someone else or you hurt yourself, you really like see someone's character through that. And I that, thought that, that was good. <laughs> that tells you who your friends are. Exactly. <laughs> What's crazy was that movie, when they broke out of the house, it was still getting them. But so yeah, they went back I know. to play the game. And I think that one had, which one had a really crazy ending? I think Would You Rather had a really crazy ending. I can't remember. And I don't want to like give any spoilers, but do you remember that? The that end of it? That movie's like six years old. I don't not remember the specific ending. <laughs> well, non-spoiler alert. At the end, she ends up like, she did it all to like save her brother who had cancer. And it ends up he like died at the end anyway, or like committed suicide. It was something really dark and depressing. Do you find that old theater art performances are really good too? Um, what again? Old theater art performances? Like Monkey's Paul, a rendition of that. Mm-hmm. Like I found those to be super interesting because the Monkey's Paul got ended up, they turned it into a movie, which they did okay with. But yeah. the theater performance was a hell of a lot better. Like the idea behind that story, okay, the Monkey's Paul, you get this Paul, you get the wish upon, but your wish turns sour. Mm-hmm. Have you ever even read this story before? I have not heard of that story before, but it sounds very intriguing. So this like they get this monkey's paw and um, mm-hmm. it was like a gift. But they were like, if you some wisdom or gypsy teller was like, if you you get to wish upon it and once you wish upon it, you get what you want. And, you know, that's whatever language she speaks. I don't know. That was a terrible accent. Leave me alone. <laughs> but they wish upon it. He goes, I wish we had money. And the next thing you know, like, um, or that I wish I had enough money to pay off this, um, these bills. And, uh, then he just throws in the trash. Like, all right, that was, that was fun. Let's get back to real life now. And mm-hmm. their, the little brother goes to work the next day and gets his arm stuck in the machine and it rips his oh. arm off. So then they get a letter in the mail with compensation for losing their son. And it's the exact price of their bills. Oh no. So they That's start, interesting. Yeah, they start to think it was the paw. So they go and get the paw back out and they go, I wish my son was alive. And they wished. And then there's a thunderstruck, lights go out, and then they're like, Okay, well, I guess we'll see. The son comes back from the dead and starts knocking on the door. Oh. Yeah. And they're like, they're afraid to open it because she, the mom wants to go open up the door, but it's not their son anymore. Oh my gosh. That sounds really intriguing. Yeah. I just, even talking to you, I just got goosebumps. I was like, yeah, I'm about <laughs> yeah, to go I, reread this thing. So it's a theater performance you said? Yeah. It was an old play. It was an old playwright, like kind of like telltale heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. But it ended up, um, they, t- I, the most impactful I've seen it was when I was a kid, you used to go on those field trips where you're like, yeah, get out of class. And then you mm-hmm. went to the performance. I actually didn't really appreciate those until later in my years. Like when I was in college, I decided like I needed to go to these because I wanted to kind of diverse myself into what that was. And mm-hmm. I found it very, very interesting on how like that can change your perspective. Like for me, you know, I was always like, you know, video games, whatever, and then working out or doing something. And it was like, then I found this and I was like, this is educating a whole new thing about myself that I never even knew existed. Yeah, exactly. I feel like you get a lot of appreciation for things once you get older and you look back and you realize like, wow, that event like really changed me as a person or that means like so much more to me now than it did back then. Yeah, like before you were a grown up and you realize that bills suck. Exactly. And like your parents are worrying about bills when you're younger and you're like, why do you worry about that? Let's go act like we're making potions in the backyard of sticks and leaves. (laughs) What do you mean there's a water bill? I thought water was just free. 
I know, right? You don't realize how much it costs just to be a human until you like leave the house and you have to pay for everything. Isn't the cost just going out and dealing with the emotional and physical stress of the day? No, you come home and get bills. I mean, I've had stupid <laughs> moments when I was a kid. I mean, I remember one specific story and now you're going to have to share one. So I don't feel like a complete idiot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but I was a kid and um, I remember I, I just for some reason I was like, wow, this water comes out of the sink really fast. So then I went downstairs and turned on the other sink. And then I just started going around the house, testing anything that shot out water that I knew. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And I had it running for, I mean, a good 30 minutes before, like, my mom came home. And she Mm -hmm. was like, why is every water thing on right now? She figured that there was, like, I don't know, some construction going on. So someone knocked on the door and was like, hey, keep your water running to make sure the brown gets filtered out of the water and it goes back to clear while we're working on the pipe system. Uh And she said all of that. And I was like. Yes, that is exactly what happened. That is so funny. (laughs) Like at that point, I was like, if I told her what I was actually trying to do, then she would like, it's funny because then I got caught later because she was like, yeah, they were doing some construction. She was talking to a neighbor and they're like, nobody was doing construction. But my son had all the run. Then she comes home and asks me. and I'm just like, oh, I wanted to see how fast it was all coming out. And then I just start playing games again. She goes, what the? And just freaks out, like just right Uh, there. I'm like, that was eight hours ago. Go go back to whatever you were doing. Oh, that poor water bill. (laughs) That had to be bad. All right, come on, share one. You had an idiot story as a kid. Let's do it. Uh, okay. I mean, I did a I didn't do like super dumb stuff, but I like I did do dumb stuff. So, I always wanted to be like Nancy Drew when I was little. So, I was always trying to like solve mysteries all the time. So, in my neighborhood, there was a horse farm and it was kind of behind our subdivision. And so, me and my neighbor friend, we decided, oh, we hear there's dead bodies hidden there. Let's go see if this is true. So we sneak behind these houses and we like walk all the way down this like really creepy dirt road and we get to the fence and there's all these signs saying like warning security cameras and warning dog. And so we were like, well, should we do this? And they're like, well, why not? So we start climbing over the fence And then we look up and this neighbor is just staring straight at us as we're like climbing this fence, clearly breaking into property. And so we just like stare at him for a moment and turn around and run away. And I'm not sure like what happened after that. If he like hopefully didn't call the police because we were kind of young. I think we were in fourth grade or fifth grade, but it's really funny looking back on that. I'm telling you, my grandparents lived out on a farm and I would always mm-hmm. hear like a rifle shot go off like because I, I went up there on weekends. So like mm-hmm. one, maybe once every couple of weeks, I would hear a rifle shot go off. And I was asking my grandpa, like, what is that? Like, I, I'm kind of nervous when this goes off and it goes off a couple of times. And he was like, it's just Farmer John with his, um, you know, it's just Farmer John. I was like, what the, what the hell is Farmer John doing? Yeah, what's Farmer John up to? So I was riding my bike one day, and it it was a long, like, their whole road just to get to their house, like, this one section is, like, four miles. So I was riding my, my, I was just riding my bike, enjoying, like, kind of the country, mostly because my grandpa was like, get out of the house. Like, you've been Mm -hmm. playing video games. I'm like, I don't have a car. I'm 12 years old. I don't know what else you want me to do. I've mowed the grass three times. It's not growing any faster. And um, so I went out for a little ride, and I saw Farmer John. I I Mm -hmm. honestly forgot what his real name was. Um, Yeah. And I was like, hey, how you doing? I'm a little kid on a bike. And he's like, oh, how you doing? He has his rifle out. I'm like, like in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. On his front lawn, too. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I mean by country. And then he shot me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Shot me right off my little three speed. No. Oh, my gosh. I was about to say, like, whoa, I'm glad you're alive then. (laughs) I was talking to him. I was like, hey, so, like, I always hear you shooting off your rifle. He goes, yeah, that's me. And um, there's nothing to be worried about. Just um, doing some farming stuff. And I guess he was was saying that because he understood I was really, really young. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually understand until kind of uh, like, I think it was like a couple days later. He had a cow on his property that was tied up to the ground, had like a little post in. 
Yeah. And he had his rifle and he waited until I left. Oh. And he shot. And I realized that was he was killing his cattle. And I guess they were getting mm-hmm. too old or they got sick or something. So instead of doing the medical or, you know, that could be a long run to nowhere. They could never get fixed. He was ending up killing them. So then I figured yeah. it out a couple of days later and I was I was pissed. I felt like someone <laughs> lied to me, like that they were doing something. And I tried to talk myself out of like, he's not killing them. He's, he's just, he's, he's making them better. He's shooting them in the leg and like it's a healing bullet or something. something yeah. And then like eventually I was like, technically he is making them better. He's ending their life. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. But it was, it was a weird interaction. I realized like those dumb moments you have as a kid, they either bother you when they're, it's like the middle of the night and you're trying to get some sleep and your brain mm-hmm. decides to flash you back to one of those stupid moments you had. Or yeah. they're like learning experiences where along through life that you understand like this, you understand it without really having to go and find out what it was. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like when I look back, I think of all the like dumb and like risky things I did. And I'm just like, wow, that is dumb. I'm glad I'm alive today. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a lot to learn um, about life. And I think that's what's so mysterious about it. Like the Mm -hmm. concept of if you actually choose to dive into anything that you really want to and really want to learn about, like, let's, let's talk about film. Okay. If you want to choose to know anything about film or how to create short horror films or short, just films in general, you have to learn the basic mechanics behind it, such as low angle shots, um, high angle shots, third person view, second um, person view, narrator's perspective and all these different things that go into it you realize that there's a lot of work to be done to get the finished product oh there is so much work that goes behind a film like you don't realize it until you're on set and like it's the most exhausting experience you will ever have because you got to write the film you got to find your actors you've got to get your crew you got to find locations you got to ask permission for like a million things worry about sound issues on set continuity like it just it it becomes a whole ordeal. What's one of the biggest problems you face when creating a short story? Um, sound is always an issue because you can't control the world. Like the world's going to keep going. Cars are going to keep driving. And I don't have enough budget to shut down streets and cities. So sound is always a major issue. But luckily, most of my films haven't been super dialogue heavy. They've been more visual. So I haven't had to deal with sound issues as much but sound definitely big issue what how do you fix something like that do you have to just wait because i i mean i've had a couple uh because i used to take a communication arts class in high school Mm -hmm. and it was like a giant filming thing so my buddy he uh was on work leave um for school so he didn't have to even show up to school he would just you know come in, sign in in the beginning, and then go home. Literally, he would just be able to go to work, go do whatever he oh, wants. Wow. So during wintertime, he does HVAC. He mm-hmm. was not busy at all. He'd have maybe a couple calls. So I'm like, can you help me film some things for my class? So he, he'd drive by the school, pick me up. We'd just go riding around trying to get shots and trying to create mm-hmm. stuff. Mostly I would try and they, a lot of our projects were not original based. They were more on concepts of recreating things we've seen or trying to sell something like an advertisement. So I, yeah. used, I used a lot of the common advertisement things you see, such as um, there was a trailer for Call of Duty back in the day. Um, it was called The Replacer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen this trailer. No, I don't think so. But it's like they have this nice badass car. It's a dude in a suit. And he's like, so you like playing games, huh? What about badass? And he just starts going in like all these really kind of vague descriptions. And I remember um, my buddy owned a Mustang at the time. So Mm -hmm. we get this low angle shot, which like this is where I really got like kind of my knowledge basis for how hard film actually is. Yeah. Because this was wintertime. And it was windy as shit on the day I decided to film. And I, at the time, did not have short hair. I had really, really long hair. Mm -hmm. So my hair's blowing all over the place. You could tell in the video. I'll have to send it to you. But um, I'm sitting. We get the low angle shot of my feet getting out of this Mustang. And the the funniest part of it, I choose to make all my stuff funny. uh, Yeah. That kind of fits a little bit more with my personality. But mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to, I know, right? I'm not funny. I get it. You know, what? <laughs> oh, 
But what, like I did a low angle shot of the Mustang and it's me getting out. And when you sit in a Mustang, you're in there. Like you, it's hard to get out. Yeah. yeah, When you sit, you hit the floor. Like it's a big, like low down kind of ride. So me trying to get out of the car, usually a person's feet, like when you see them get out of a car in a movie or something, they're at level. Smooth. Yeah, they're they're leveled. So me, you just see my feet, my half cab shoes, like size 12, just flop right onto the ground. And like one goes first and it seems like I'm reaching my legs out. And then it's like Mm -hmm. it's a back pan shot. And then it just sees me get out of the car, kind of have this jacket on, kind of fluff it over my like kind of like uh, fluff it forward, you know, like, you know, open it up a little bit like you're. Yeah. And then um, I shut this giant door and I'm like. So you like watching films, right? You like watching the morning announcements? Well, let me tell you, you're not badass unless you watch the morning announcements. But (laughs) you couldn't tell I said the word badass because it was so windy out. Oh, the wind will really mess up your sound. But you couldn't tell if you were watching the video like Mm -hmm. in person, like if you were watching it. But when they played it on the announcements and it was only sound only. And then they ended yeah. up playing like the video on a TV, but some classes would have it turned off. You could hear mm-hmm. the word badass very clearly. Mm-hmm. So I remember I was sitting in there one morning and I hear this car beginning sound and I made the video. So I'm like, is that my video? I'm like, oh shit, someone turn on the TV right now. So they turn on the TV, they're getting the laugh. And then it's the part where I say badass. And I'm like, oh my God, it's playing through the whole entire school right now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and like I, I, I sat there for a minute. I was like, and everyone's like, "That's you." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." Wait for it. Ready? And then they said, "Badass." And everyone, the teacher even looked at me like, "Did you just say badass on the morning announcements?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "That's badass." I'm like, "Right." <laughs> hey, at least at least he was cool with it, though. So I knew my teacher miss like kind of overlooked that they were just looking to cram something into the announcements. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to get in trouble when I get to her class. So I go to her class and she was like, I didn't even know you said badass, dude. And I was like, right. Like you couldn't hear it in the actual video. I was like, am I in trouble? She goes, no, you're fine. And then next thing I know, the principal comes down. Oh no, not Yo, the principal. I was so scared. I was literally like, oh, this is it. Like this is ISS. Like this is the one class I'm not in ISS and I'm getting ISS right now. And he comes up and he goes, can I speak to you outside in the hallway? I'm like, yeah. Um, sure. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, kind of like, you know, hands in the pockets, like, all right. I yeah. Know nervous. <laughs> I know where this is leading. And he goes, that was a funny video. And I was like, thanks man. And like, I really appreciate that. I'm sorry. I, I said, uh, you know, badass on the announcements. And I said, I said that to him and he was like, no, mm-hmm. was like, it was, it was cool. We're just got to make sure that, you know, we got to make sure that, you know, cursing doesn't play on the announcements, but that was a really good video. And I really liked your creativity. And I'm like, thank you so much. Cause honestly, if you would have shot me down right there, I probably would have not made another video. Yeah. And I feel like just having someone commend your hard work is what really helps you keep going as a creator of anything of podcasting of filmmaking like it really helps to be like noticed for your work and i think what is really good about that story where a lot of people are like why the hell did you just say that was it was adds perspective to a video or movie that you can watch now like when you go to a movie theater now you still get the story. You still get the basis. You still get like kind of the viewer interaction of how like a normal person would view it. But then your mm-hmm. mind is also expanded to looking at it from the creator's perspective, all the shots, yeah. all the work, all the directing, all the everything that goes down to make this film, where even if it is not that good, you still give the creator credit because you understand the long process of designing and making a film. Yeah, definitely. And my friends will sometimes get mad at me because I'll be watching a film and I'll say something like, oh, that's a horrible shot or, ooh, that shot's nice. And they're like, can you just like watch a movie without saying anything about it? And I'm like, no, I can't. Like, it's a curse now. Once you know how a film is made, you always will see that while you're watching a film. So with all these short horror films, which one was Haley involved in? Or is Haley ha- has been involved in all of my short films. She, in my first film, she acted in it and she also kind of helped just like production assistant stuff. And then my second film, she did sound. 
and other stuff. And then my third film, she's a production assistant as well. Do you find that she, you know, is actually beneficial to helping you out? Like kind of capitalizing your idea in a way? Because I feel like, you know, not to say anything that she's not bad or anything. I'm just saying for some directors, it's hard to kind of, well, it's hard in general just to make someone see what you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it definitely helps to have someone so I can bounce ideas off of and be like, Hey, like, does this make sense? Or, Hey, I need someone to go get this. And I'm busy with this right now. I just, I, it's hard. Cause you have so much to do on a set and just to have a good crew of people who know what they're doing and who all care about your project and who care about doing good work. It's just, it's amazing. Do you have, do you hire more actors that are your friends? Um, or do you try and actually go out and look for people that are interested in filmmaking like yourself, but more of the acting portion of it? Yeah. Um, with each film I've made, I've gotten kind of bigger scale wise. So my first film, I actually acted in it and it was all my friends and family that acted. But my second film, I actually auditioned people in my third film, I asked um, this actress that I knew from the campus I go on, and she's an amazing actress. She's been in a lot of short films and plays, so I got her to be my lead actress for this film I'm working on right now. Now, for someone that doesn't do releases, did you have to go and do releases for it, like get people to sign saying you can use their face? Oh, yeah. For my uh, Two Houses film, I did a lot of releases because I was dealing with children in that movie. I had a lot of extras and a lot of actors. So I did have releases for that. Um, For this film, I really only have one actress. So I'll probably just get a release from her and it won't be that big of a deal. What are the rules though to follow? Because I know with the child thing, do they just have to be under the age of 18? That means you have to get a parent's consent? Um, Yeah. When they came in to audition for the film, because I actually held auditions for that one, uh, I had them sign something like saying it was okay for their child to be in the film. And since it's a short film and it wasn't paid, it's just like kind of a student film. I didn't have to deal with like all the child labor laws because we weren't shooting for like eight hours a day or anything. So I really didn't have to deal with it there. But once you get into like true like filmmaking, like as an industry, you'll have a lot of laws with like SAG actors and like all the unions. There's so many rules. Now, what's SAG? I've completely blanked on what that means um sag is screen actors guild so a lot of the major actors you'll see like um emma watson for example like all meryl streep like they're all part of sag so once you appear in like a certain amount of movies or you've been in like a big enough movie you can apply to be part of it and it's a union and they have all these demands where like they can only work so many hours a day and they have to pay them a certain amount of wages and it's it, there's a lot of criteria, but it's basically a union for actors. Now, what is one of the things in your films that like is I guess your most favorite process? Is it writing? Is it more of designing the story, or is it trying to get all the pieces to collaborate together? Um, I would say I really like the writing process. I've always been a writer ever since I was little. I would just. I was always writing like I wrote little stories on like pen and paper and stapled them together. So I just I love the process of coming up with a story and then also getting the pieces together in the beginning. And I like the whole process, but writing is probably my number one. I think also some of the funniest things are the unexpected things that happen on set while you're filming that actually add like that you choose to keep in. Yeah, definitely. I always like to give my actors freedom to feel like they can play with things and like we have enough time that they can try new things because you never know the actors might have a great idea that I didn't even think of and like it makes sense for the character I uh we had at least in my class uh I I chose to use my friends as all my kind of actors in a way or people that would help me I'd always star in my films too I'm not being the main (laughs) the main guy but I feel like if I was trying to show them what my idea was they weren't really getting it so I was like I have to be involved so let me set up a tripod let me get either if someone can film that'd be cool and I'd just Mm -hmm. tell them all the angles and they'd be like well where do you want me to stand I'm like stand over there man and I'm like it's like why am I holding the camera up like this like it's a high angle man like just 
get into it a little bit. It was kind of difficult. Um, you know, I had to do a lot of editing to cut out a lot of the bloopers to it. But oh, yeah. It was crazy because I know we did one um, from a, uh, the movie Hot Rod with Andy Samberg. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have you seen this movie? No. It's um this scene uh, where they're basically like it's a nerd kind of movie. If you've seen anything with Andy Samberg, like that's my boy or something. It's like a, that type of movie. It's a comedy style. Yeah, comedy. So he's supposed to be a daredevil. And um, so um, it's like a bunch of friends, like kind of joking around, um, talking about like, let's party and let's do all this kind of stuff. So it's my buddy wearing a wolf T-shirt in a beach chair with a visor on and he's sipping a beer, but he's not sitting in a lawn chair, anything like you would expect him to be. He's doing it like in a really awkward, like cross-legged, like fancy style way. And he's talking to his friend and he's telling him about a dream he had where he was just punching a bunch of wizards in the face. So (laughs) that scene took forever to actually get done because he would not stop laughing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, just take it serious, man. And he's like, take it serious. I'm wearing a fucking golf cap and a wolf t-shirt. How am I going to take this seriously? I'm like, I don't know. But it was cracking me up because the bloopers are probably the funniest part about it. And my buddy's on this little Razor scooter. And it's just like a back shot, kind of like looking out into the driveway. And there's Mm -hmm. a little tiny log in the... um, like kind of in the driveway and he goes to bunny hop over it and he's supposed to actually bunny hop over it he messed up and actually hit the log and went face first into the concrete oh no so i actually i when editing it out i edit it to where you just see him hit face first and then it stops and goes to a whole different scene like they just took like the guys watching him just totally glossed over the fact he just wrecked shit and <laughs> so like people are laughing when they're watching it and then it's, it's these guys talking again so it's like nobody even bothered to see if he was all right and yeah uh, it was like that whole thing there was so many slip-ups with my friends but my all my friends the best part about them which i think is the best part about people is that nobody is perfect mm-hmm. so especially when your friends really don't care or don't really like they just want to have fun and hang out they don't really want to do a film that was the funniest part because then they would tr- they you would see moments where they would get serious into it and then they would like d- like break out of it and like do something stupid where they slipped up and then everyone gave them shit for it Yeah, exactly. That's the bad part about working with friends on like creative projects, because sometimes they just want to have fun and you get distracted very easily. So that's why for this film, I actually got a lot of film students who like this is what they're passionate about and like they know what they're doing and they're awesome. And but Haley, she's always taking it serious when we're on set. So I think that's also like a best friend kind of aspect to it too. Like, you know, you guys, you guys do a podcast together and then, so Mm -hmm. it's like, you guys are already like involved in each other's lives. And especially the fact that she sees how important this is to you when you're trying to create something. And she probably doesn't want to see your image get this kind of like your idea of it get destroyed if she doesn't take it seriously. So that's really kind of props to her in a way, but also like we are saying, the podcast, Cults, Conspiracies, and Creepies. Oh, yes. We love our podcast. We actually haven't had a chance to record because of my short film and college going on. So we're hoping to record pretty soon. But we started it last year, and we both are crazy into, like, true crime and conspiracies and, like, ghosts and paranormal stuff. So we were like, why, why not start a podcast? Let's just do it. So I know you're the you're the creepies one. You're the one that likes all the creepy stuff. She likes the true crime. Am I right? Yes. I, I mean, we both love true crime, but she covers all the true crime and all the paranormal stuff. And I cover the cults and the conspiracies. OK, so what's your favorite cult and conspiracy you've come across? Oh, that is such a hard question. Cult wise. There's a lot of them out there, surprisingly. Yeah. One of the favorite ones that we've covered, well, not my favorite, like it's a horrible story, but it's called the Ant Hill Kids. I don't know if you've heard of the Ant Hill Kids. Are they a bunch of kids on an anthill? No, but they're from Canada and it's the most gruesome cult I've ever read about. This guy was crazy and we did a podcast episode on it. If you want to check it out or if anyone listening wants to check it out sometime, I go into the details more. And it actually, I had to mark the episode as explicit 
because we don't really curse much on our podcast, but like the material was so gruesome, I had to mark it as explicit. Oh, I put all my stuff as explicit. Yeah. Sadly, I am not, I wouldn't say I'm not family friendly, but I'm like, we all curse in our everyday lives. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't see it as a bad thing. Yeah, no, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just like, the material was very gruesome. Like when I started reading about Ant Hill Kids for the first time, I actually started crying. I was in class and I started crying because I felt so bad for the people in the cold because he, he did everything from like torture to child abuse to like sexual abuse. Like it was just intense. And they made money by selling muffins, which is just really weird. And that was kind of the funny part was they made all their money by just selling muffins on the side of the road. Shooting way, 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 shooting muffins on the side of the road. Yeah, selling muffins. Like oh, they, I thought you they, said shooting. I was like, wait a minute, they're just lining up blueberry muffins and doing headshots on them. Those sick farmer John must be involved. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, no, that would be funny though. But they made all their money by just selling baked goods and muffins. And behind the scenes, this guy was like really abusive and torturous and he always had to spy on them so people could not talk if he was not in the room because he didn't want them to talk bad about him so people were just silent all the time being careful not to speak if he wasn't around oh it's like that trump personality <laughs> yeah it's it, it was a very interesting cult to cover but now, my yeah. Do you find that there's a lot more cults than you really realize when you started doing research on them? Oh, definitely. Because you, you always know about Jonestown and like the Manson family and those typical cults. But when you start diving into it, you realize how many cults there are just across the world. And, and America has a ton of cults. Like we're just the center for cults, apparently. Do you? Th All right. So have you ever heard of Heaven's Gate? Oh, yes. That was our first episode okay. of the podcast. All right. So she told me to bring that one up. So I, all right, please inform our audience of what Heaven's Gate is, because I'm going to fill in some details too, because I did a podcast on this one too. Oh, definitely. So Heaven's Gate kind of took place around the 80s. And it was this crazy guy, Marshall Applewhite. And he started this cult. And his followers had very, very strict like rules. They had to cut all their toasts the same way. They all worked in computers, I think. And they lived in this big house and they would eat the same thing. They all like had their hair the same way. Guys got like castrated. They were all wearing the same thing all the time. And they're famous, most famous for their mass suicide that they committed. And they actually had a last supper like the day before that, which is really interesting. And they, then they all, yeah. They all killed themselves. It's not funny, but it is on the concept of they put bags over their heads and yeah. laid in beds. And they, the only funny part about it was that they put, they bought brand new Nike shoes. Yeah. And those Nikes, you can find them on eBay and they're really expensive because of the Heaven's Gate like connotation. They, that's like, is that good for the brand? Is that bad? I feel like it's probably bad publicity. I think they stopped like running that type of shoe after that happened because there was just these images on Times Magazine, on every magazine, on every newspaper of these dead people with these Nikes, like just out of the sheets. And I'm sure Nike's PR department was like having a nightmare. I guarantee you Nike was like, this is the best marketing ever. We're on primetime news right now. That <laughs> is our, have to pay for it. That is our shoe. Michael Jordan is not doing as well as he should have been with his shoes. Now we got this. We're on news right now. A bunch of people wearing our shoe are now dead and we're on primetime television. Exactly. They just need to sell their shoe to all the Colts and then. See, I, I had to question this because I was like, so wait a minute. They put bags on top of their heads and they told they were they found out by doing kind of an autopsy on the body that uh, not all of them died at once. They all died in a span of three days based on the rate of decompos or, like it is, decom decomposition of the body. Um, yeah. 
So like there was one dude that'd be sleeping in a bunk bed. He'd be dead above you and you'd just be lying there waiting for your turn to come. And it was like, Mm -hmm. how at one point did nobody get up to take a piss? Did nobody (laughs) get up to go to the bathroom? They just laid there. Yeah, I have no idea. And they, I think, I'm pretty sure they had like, poisoned applesauce or pudding it was something really weird i'm like why would you choose that as your last food yeah it get yeah i know right that's oh it's slow digesting so it'll take a while so i don't die of starvation i'll die of suffocation first yet you're using like a cvs or hefty bag that probably was not airtight yeah exactly it's that was a very interesting cult to cover and I also love like looking into the cult leaders background because you can tell a lot about their history and like why they got to the point of starting a cult. You ever question things that you start seeing nowadays and wonder if it's a hidden cult? Yeah, definitely. All the time. (laughs) Okay. What exactly do you question? Um, see, I can tell for, for me, I can tell you it's the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts. Oh yeah, definitely the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or the um the Masons, you know, the Freemasons. There's a Freemasons Lodge in my town. And I'm like, wait a minute, is wasn't this like a secret organization that was really, really bad? Yeah, it was uh it traces all the way back to George Washington and like the founding of the nation. And so it's like very historical, but it's basically a fraternity for old men and men of the community. But once you get to the upper levels, that's where kind of the shady stuff happens. But at a community level, they just do like community events. But it is, it's very weird. Hey, we're doing the bingo night at 830. Make sure all the Freemasons are there. You go there. They're, well, like you walk in like, oh, it's just a bunch of older people playing bingo. And then like you walk out and as soon as you walk out, they flip the table over and are, this is our plan to pesticide the whole area. Okay, we're gonna <laughs> keep. Trails. We're gonna keep these damn kids off our lawn. Yeah, actually, the other day I met a Freemason. So I'm in student government, and we were having like a community event. And I was talking to this police officer, and I noticed he had a ring on his finger, and it was the Freemason symbol. And so I was just kind of looking at it, and he talked to other the other guys in the group, and he showed it to them, but he didn't show it to me because like. It's a men's organization. So I guess he didn't think I would know what it was. So he was asking all the men. He was like, hey, do you guys know what this is? And I just yelled out, that's for the Freemasons. And he looked at me and he was so shook. I worked with a guy that uh, was a part of the Freemasons for a little bit and then actually left the Freemasons while I was working with them. Um, One of my summer jobs, I I did this thing called the Jetivator. Um, Mm -hmm. it's like one of those hoverboards or the jet packs that come out of the water. Yeah. So I was like the only guy that ran that and he was the captain of the boat. So me and him kind of like every day we were working together, like for a couple of years. So Mm -hmm. like, I got to know him pretty well. And he's like, yeah, I'm part of the Freemasons right now. I'm like, did you just sign up? He's like, well, I'm in the fire department and all of our fire department, every part of it down here, all the people are that are in the fire department are, are Freemasons. And I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. I'm like, so wait, if I do something against the Freemasons and there's a fire at my house, is just nobody coming to save me? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Because if all of them are in the Freemasons, like imagine if you come in and you're working there and you're not part of the Freemasons, like, well, I said that. Excluded. I said that to him. Like I said it to you. I was like, wait, so if there's a fire at my house, you guys aren't coming? And they're like, no, we're not coming because it's you, Robbie. That's why. I'm like, oh, shit. All right. I guess. <laughs> There's a little bit, well, he was just joking around, but, um, yeah, it's funny. Cause, uh, he told me like later he was like, yeah, they do these book like meetings and stuff at a, at the local library. Like when the library closes at nine, they all line mm-hmm. up and go in there. And I actually told him, I was like, wait a minute. So there's people in there when the library closes, he goes, yeah. I'm like, that fucking sucks. Because I remember trying to drop a book off at nine Oh five. There were cars in the parking lot, but they wouldn't open up the door. He goes, yeah, they basically isolate the whole library to strictly Freemason members and the doors locked. You have to go in through the back. Yeah. They have the meeting room. That's all to themselves. And they literally talk about like things like a neighborhood watch type thing, but like in really, really kind of, like beers involved all there's drinking and shooting the shit on things they need to be doing like watching like talk about people in the community it's like a giant gossip area 
and I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was like, isn't that kind of weird though? And he was like, no, not really. And then he left later and he was like, yeah, it got a little bit too weird. And I'm like, how weird did it get? Like, you're not giving me anything. He's like, I don't want to say anything because we know a lot of these people, but like there were robes involved too. And it ended yeah. up feeling like a fraternity. And I was like, oh shit. Like, did they spank you? Is that why you left? And he goes, no, nah, I would never let that happen. I was like, all right. Yeah, I know they have actually a series on Netflix. I haven't watched it, but I always see it when I'm like scrolling through the documentary section and it's called Inside the Freemasons and it kind of shows their rituals and like all their traditions and ceremonies and it looks very interesting. Do you think, okay, New World Order. I'm not talking about Hulk Hogan and all that wrestling federation. I'm talking about the there's a hidden uh, society yes. or something. Do you believe New in World that? Order? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, I do believe in it actually. Okay, so t- what do you believe about it? Do you, I don't think it's Illuminati really anymore. I think it's another thing, but I definitely think there's a shadow society on the basis of one thing: the JFK assassination. Oh yeah. So, I could talk about JFK all day, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, so his speech that he had six months before he was assassinated. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of us only really remember that he was like an eye for an eye, makes the whole world blind. That whole like beautiful thing, yeah. that phrase that we use. But did anybody actually watch the full video of his speech, the full 30-minute thing? Yeah, I know I didn't. <laughs> now, when you hear him talk, before he says that famous quote, he literally goes, I do not know if there is a shadow society leading us as a nation, as puppets, but if there is, I will expose them. Then six or seven months later, he gets assassinated. Yeah, no, he, JFK was actually all about like informing the public about the shady stuff that was going on in the government. Like he wanted to tell people about area 51. He wanted to like tell them about all these things that had been going on. Like he wanted to let the public know. And I think that's part of what got him like killed. And I definitely think the Lee, like Harvey Oswald thing is kind of sketchy the way that it went on. And I feel like there was definitely more people involved than they say. I think, well, did you um, realize that like when he got shot, so did you see the video of him getting shot? Yeah, I have seen that video. So you see how there was like, they slowed it down and did the three bullet thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he was shot three different times. Did you notice how then when he got shot, the first bullet pierced through his um, throat? Yeah, I did. And then he covered it up. And did you realize like, so they were, they actually did like kind of a, like a background investigation, like someone recreated, like not somebody getting shot, but kind of what the force and everything, like, like a kind of like a using test dummies and stuff. So Mm -hmm. the power of that specific rifle that he was caught with, um, shot against JFK, that force that went through his throat, even though it pierced through would have caused him to lean forward, called his basically his head to fall into his lap, you know, like kind of mm-hmm. straight forward. Like if some if you got into a car accident and you lunge. Yeah. But did you notice in the video that he didn't bend down after he was shot? He stayed straight up. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes it really shady. They actually call it like the magic bullet because it had to go like ricochet off all these things to get where it did and it just it doesn't make a lot of sense well you want to know why he stayed straight up why he was wearing a back brace oh so i read this article extensively and i used to do a a podcast um called fill in the blank where we focused on specific topics and my i was Mm -hmm. waiting for enough friends to get together for us to shoot the shit about jfk and nobody ever really we ended up not doing it so i have all these research on this thing and i actually started diving into it for myself at one point because it was like this was really fucking interesting yeah, it is. So he w- always complained of back problems and was actually known for that. And f- I think it was three months before his meeting, he had um, he went to the doctor, got his back looked at, and they gave him a back brace. So the brace kept him from bending forward. So literally kept him in an upright position. Mm-hmm. So he did not choose to go to the doctor and get this back brace. He was actually told by people that were in his association, like in his kind of like office that he needed to go and get this looked at and addressed. So nothing 
quote, was holding him back from his campaign trail. Yeah. So that brings in another mystery. Like, was he set up that way? But like, I don't go that far into it, but it kept him straight upright. So then when the bullets, the other ones came and eventually killed him, um, that was, it seemed like there were so many things that were really, really questionable now that we're getting more evidence looked at. And we do have the Freedom of Information Act. And in 2017, Trump released 500 of the missing documents to JFK. Yes, assassination. I know. I tried to look through some of those, but like there's so much. And also a lot of stuff is blacked out. Exactly. The but, CIA. <laughs> hang on, hang on. But he kept 50 to himself. Oh, I never heard that. So Trump just has 50 sitting on his desk. <laughs> he has 50 that's probably still locked away that no mm-hmm. one has seen. You've only seen the other 450 that were released yeah. that 500. So what's on those 50s that's so important? And now Exactly. If you look up any government what people call a conspiracy, it's a lot of it's not a conspiracy, it's actually evidence. If you look at the CIA website, they have all that shit posted for you. Mhm. They just don't tell you it's there. Yeah. They're and just- I've looked at all like the Freedom of Information Act stuff and the thing is, they they black out a lot of the most important things. So you'll be reading it. And it'll say the the incident occurred when and then it'll be blacked out for like 10 lines and then the sentence will finish off. Well, it's to not incriminate anybody that was involved in the program. I mean, Operation Paperclip, do you know anything about this? No. Okay. Well, that was like the whole like Nazi era. But when you look at government experimentation and conspiracy theories, one conspiracy theory that people still do not believe today, which is not a conspiracy theory, it's an actually a government program, MK Ultra. Yeah, MK Ultra. So a lot, of, a lot of people, it's a mind control thing, but there are actual experiments from Canadian um, government and American government used on the concept of mind control. I'm not talking about some Professor Xavier shit. I'm talking about doing auditory hallucinations or ECT, which is a electroconvulsive therapy to adjust your mind's thinking. Um, this is common with schizophrenia. One of the treatments for schizophrenia is electroconvulsive therapy, shocking mm-hmm. your brain when your brain starts to stimulate what is known as schizophrenia or these arises of schizophrenia. So to make someone forget something, all that is just your memory is a bunch of nerves in your brain sending electrical impulses. So when your brain tries to remember a certain thing, it's active, it's highlighted. So what they would do is they shock you and burn off those active sensors. So then you couldn't remember. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. I, that MK Ultra is very interesting. And I know um, if you're familiar with the Netflix series, Stranger Things, they actually base that off of MK Ultra, but obviously to like, a much like exaggerated extent. I'm about to give you some more stuff to look up because check this out. Stranger <laughs> Things is actually based on a government project called Montauk Project. You got to look this Oh, thing. I've heard of that one too. Yeah. The Montauk Project was actually the original name for Stranger Things. And then they changed it to Stranger Things. Because no network would pick it up. <gasps> Oh, they went to yeah. Every, they went to everything before Netflix, and Netflix finally picked it up and changed it to Stranger Things. But they went to you know all the TNT, all the major network places, and nobody would touch it because it was a real government experiment. Did it mm-hmm. have? Did, was it actually a girl summon monsters? Probably not. But that's what the article says that people can look up and find this information of. And see, you start talking like this. People immediately start going, okay, now you're really in the rabbit hole now. You dived a little too far. I'm like, but this is all on the government's website. Yeah. The CIA literally has my favorite, I swear it's my favorite program ever. It's called the Center for Existential Risk. Mm -hmm. So this is five people in the CIA that get funded $500 million a year to make sure Skynet doesn't happen. That technology does not take over human race. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So your life is in the stake of five people's 
who are typing on their computers, checking every new iPhone or new technological advancement, making sure it's not going to threaten the extinct or the race of mankind. That's crazy. I never knew that. Imagine like those five people, like, I can already tell you now, you got to get me on your podcast. I'll blow your mind with some, I'll, I'll give you so many facts on this stuff. That would, that would honestly be awesome. We've never had a guest on our podcast, but we've always wanted to do that. Well, you give me a day and I'll be there. Okay. Cause I, I, I I'm <laughs> telling you, I can go all about tr- true crime and I can all go about conspiracies. I mean, I, yes. like I, it, it, it's, it's a fascinating world we live in. And when I always relate it to this, the government, is red, white, and blue, what we choose to believe it is. The problem is never the government. The problem is that people run the government and people are known to be a little bit shady. Exactly. It's it's the people who end up ruining it. So, I mean, hey, I'm telling you, Haley, she told me to bring up a couple things, which I did, but it was interesting to see your perspective of it because Haley kind of showed me through the true crime aspect of things and Mm -hmm. more of a a psychology standpoint which I was able to because I'm a psychology person um, yeah but I I really find it fascinating especially like movies as well especially I've talked to so many movie podcasters so many of them it's been it's opened my eyes to seeing films differently and seeing the creative stuff behind it, which I appreciate that someone out there is trying to do something like that. And I really want to thank you a lot for coming on and doing the podcast. And I want to give you here a minute at the end to be able to promote your content where we can see the cults, conspiracies, and creepies. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. This has been a really awesome conversation and Colts Conspiracies Creepies is a podcast with my best friend, Haley Meisenheimer, who is also on your podcast. And we talk about, again, cults, conspiracies, and all the other creepies, which includes true crime and paranormal stories. We are on Spotify. We are on like Apple slash iTunes podcast. And we are also on Stitcher. And those are our three platforms that we are on. And we haven't uploaded in a while, but we have 20 episodes up plus a fun mini episode we did called Creepy Chats. So if you want to check us out, definitely do that. Every podcast will cover two stories. I'll cover something and Haley will cover something. And it will just open your mind to all of the crazy, creepy things going around in our world. Well, I appreciate you doing the podcast and stay tuned for another episode of Out of the Blank.